Hello, I'm Miranda, and this is my piece for 100 Voices for 100 Years on Day 100. I can't do it. I have nothing to say. Me, last Friday, after a particularly existential rejection and knowing full well that less than a week later, I would be sharing my story for the 100 Voices for 100 Years project. A hundred days after launching the project, and about 120 days after first uttering the idea out loud to myself and then others. It's not always easy to ask people for something, but in this case that was the whole purpose of the project, providing the platform for others to share work. And they did. Day after day, amazing female storytellers have shared their poems, stories, thoughts, desires, fears, and above all, achievements. It wasn't always smooth. Life got in the way for my contributors as it did for me. Sometimes when at 10pm I really didn't know what I would be posting the next day, I thought about what I would say if I had to provide the next voice. It wouldn't have been very long at least. But somehow every day I scraped through and as the end of the project became closer, I knew that I did want to speak myself. Are you doing one? People would ask. At the end, I had replied, giving myself space to be a last resort and also to come up with something. Last Friday, I knew I had to do it. Even if it felt I had nothing to contribute, I would have to think of something. I listened again to the voice of the day. It was a perfect antidote to all of the negative emotions I was experiencing. I emailed the writer. I understand, she said when I told her what was going on for me. I knew she did. Later that day, on social media, one of my other contributors reposted the piece that she'd recorded less than a week before. A piece that was full of struggles and hope. I'm so far from optimistic right now, she said, needing a reminder of that other version of herself who had been able to recognise all the things that she had done. A different contributor was meant to redo her piece, tidy it up and then send it to me that day. I'm just not in the right headspace today. I knew exactly what she meant. Neither these contributors nor I had fundamentally changed from the people who one day, two days, a hundred days before had felt invincible. When things are going well, for me at least, I remember all the steps it's taken me to get there. My achievements feel solid, like scaffolding holding me up. But when something knocks me, I feel like I'm in free fall. So asking people to talk about something they've achieved isn't as straightforward as it seems. Now, I didn't know what to expect when I sent out the first call for submissions, but I thought there might be some more stories about bungee jumping, about winning court court cases, maybe. Instead, the stories are beautifully crafted, vulnerable, and in many cases about resilience. Some people came forward for it for, like a shot. Many needed persuading. One or two lost heart halfway through. I was asked in an interview how easy it had been to get contributions. Not as easy as I thought. Most people agreed they didn't think it would have been easy. So perhaps I was naive that to get British people, especially women, to talk about how proud they were of something. One of the writers who I met too late in the project to include her piece, Charmaine Wilkerson, approached me with a quote that she was told as a child. A whistling woman and a crowing hen are an abomination to the Lord. 
Are we as female identifying individuals conditioned to keep quiet? Or is it that we don't know how to form the sentences we need to show our pride because we don't see other women doing it? Is it because the stories that we are told, even if they are about women, are not quite relatable because, well, they're written by men? I think that this could be true. And that's why it was so important for me to have this hundred strong list of stories and storytellers and why I'm so grateful to all of those who could contribute and to those who weren't, but are still out there plugging away at their words. So even though on that day I had nothing to say, I sat down and made a list. And the longer I thought about it, the more I realised I was proud of. Do you think I should do it? Me, mid-January, to my housemate, late on a Sunday afternoon. I had drafted the email to my contacts. Almost every single one I had picked up in the last 10, 20 years of my studies, courses, working life. People with whom I had toured to the outer reaches to the UK in a rusty van. The people who had given me that job. People who I'd met through well-connected friends. People who I'd met in the swimming pool. People whose birthdays I knew off by heart. People who had directed plays I'd written. People who had performed at the spoken word night I've run for two years. People who I'd never met in person. Tutors, lovers, friends, everyone who was important. I had so much to lose, in my head at least if they thought it was a stupid idea. Really, should I? Do it, my housemate said, and I pressed send. Within 30 minutes, people I respected hugely replied enthusiastically. Oh, I have to do it now. I'm so proud, not just for pressing send, but because of all the years before when I thought that I was just jumping from thing to thing without a plan, when I was collecting... I was creating this wonderful network of stunning humans and I'm proud to say that they're in my address book and now supporters of the project. Not only that, I have met a hundred, well actually far more, wonderful people through the project. I couldn't have done it without them. It was often hard going. For a start, I have never created a website. I know nothing about audio files. I asked a couple of friends who have podcasts. I asked a friend of a friend about websites. I asked a stranger in a shop. I found I was not afraid to ask for help. I found I was not afraid to get things wrong. I didn't have time. I was working a full-time job which had just got about as busy as it ever has been. I was writing a book. I was running my spoken word night. I was building a relationship. I was supporting my flatmates. I was trying to work out what was going on with my sister's wedding. So instead of worrying about getting it wrong, which I do so much, I put that to one side. And when I didn't know how to do something, when I was overwhelmed, when I needed a hug, I just asked. I didn't learn this by myself. I learned I had to speak up from Emma Halliday, Caris Jones, Eloise Williams, Della Derville, Lissa Barry. I learned that no one will give you that chance unless you ask for it from Charlie Lester, Miriam Ellen Jones, Deborah Martin, Bramwyn Davis, Sean Brett. When things got hard, I listened to Joe Goodbody, to Diane Simmons, Sandra Arnold, Debbie Voisey, Louise Taylor, who all managed to find hope in a very dark place, and to Rebecca Riyad, whose humour inspired me to keep my head up. When I was anxious, I turned to Susanna Bowen, Gaynor Jones, Felicity Goodman, who had all made it through, and on the way learned that it was okay to go easy on yourself. 
I called the project my baby, and it was a demanding child. (laughs) I had to plan my life around getting to my desk that night to program the next day, or plan ahead when I was going away, and I never do that. I knew it wouldn't be easy, but I was guided by the mothers Joe Howard, Reshma Ruya, Victoria Richards, Kerry Ashcroft, Antonia Seawood, Sarah Hegarty, who were juggling twins, hiding in cupboards, turning down executives, finding their voices, standing on the edge of cliffs, closing green curtains and worrying about results and wondering if you can ever be both. You can. When I didn't get the right people on board in the project, if things didn't work out or the demands from elsewhere meant that I was getting things wrong all over, I remembered Louise Jensen, Jacqueline Haskell, Sarah Burnett, Lucy Sim, Emily Devane, whose resilience and energy kept me going. Sarah Jones, Angela Martin and Jane Reichman told me to keep fighting, sometimes in song. I listened to Emma Flint, Laura Windley, Anne Summerfield and Louise Mangos who told me that the yeses, the successes would come with time. The bravery of my contributors pushed me on. Sarah Alexander, Helen Rye, Sarah Armstrong, who went to a war zone, and Usha Rowan, who came to the UK as a refugee herself. If I felt I was just scraping it by the skin of my teeth, I remembered Freya Kelly and her slide, Alice Lipcomb Southworth's bike, Kerry Smith's ski season, J.L. Wang's challenge to just say yes. Sabrina Mafuz taken to the stage for her first MC session, Angela Wallace, Emily Garside, Kiara McVeigh and Louise Houghton who had all left comfort to pursue an unknown future. They had gone for it, and so had I. They also inspired me to apply for a career break. It starts in July. When the end seemed so very far away, I had thought about Petter Cornish, Eleanor Johns, Sophie Haydock, Emily Hollyoke, who had all run over 26 miles. I related to that. Take a step, take 10, and maybe one day you will run a marathon. In some ways, I felt I did. <laughs> Catherine Vick told me love wasn't always smooth, but you could keep it going. When I got it wrong... When I messed up the website or social media, or worse, made people upset, I tried to remember Robin Addison, Aliyah Kashani, Julia Woolard, who'd all learned to accept themselves as they were. I agreed with Leslie Trainer when she reminded me, we are not superwomen. Jude Higgins helped me to realise I wasn't alone. If I ever wondered what the point was, I would think about Grace Pilkington, Emma Berenson, Sophie Olivia Ali, Elizabeth Allen and all the others who are dealing with horrible situations that are perpetuated by a sexist society. I look back with the help of Dr Maureen Wright, Jane Roberts, Ros Ball, Viv Buckley and Sakina Ballard and the team behind Suffragette City. I look forward with Bess Stevens and Sharon Ekman. I kept the candle of my idea burning with oxygen from Alex Keelan, Vanessa Hammock, Olivia Chapel, Christabel Jewenson, Melangish Dolma, Kate Ellis, Maya Kay, whose pieces dealt with dreams and joy and freedom to be yourself. Tamara von Burthen reminded me it's okay to break the rules. Stephanie Moore taught me the joy of winning and the calm of letting that desire go. Amy Taylor, Sharon Kanalik, Shasmita Bhattachara, Tamara Pollock and this fabulous Sarah Kosar all made me praise the small achievements. For me, Sogol Sewell's piece about sisterhood on International Women's Day applied to the whole community of 100 voices. My own mother, Anne Roskowski's piece, surprised me and changed the way I will see her forever. 
I'm proud I saw in her a story, a lot of the drive that I feel myself to do something worthwhile. Jessica Hale's piece about her amazing grandmother moved me. Amy Kirkwood's honesty, Stevie Taylor's dirtiness, down at Monaghan's farcical encounters, Stella Klein's worry that she was a bit funny in the head all delighted me. I applauded Miranda Keeling, Kate Jefford and Amy Foster for singing cartwheeling and astrology. Isabel Clements and Alison Hitchcock's dedication to helping others made me reach higher. And any time things were tough, absolutely every time, I would get an email from one of the contributors egging me on. You are all wonderful humans. But from Rachel Barnett, whose story arrived first on my birthday and was played first, who gave me the confidence to go ahead. Her piece about asking for help, but also just getting on with it. From that I learned so much, as well as a recipe for lemon curd. I did it. Me. Today. A massive thank you to everyone who has helped. The contributors, of course, but all my friends, family, boyfriend, housemates. It makes it easier when you know there are people to catch you. I hope the project has touched people and made them think. Data tells me that we have listeners in Vietnam, the US, all over Europe. And even if it is just down to the amazing quality writing I was lucky to receive and the championing from the contributors and all my other supporters, I did create the platform, block by template block, and I am hugely proud of that. The project was featured on The Pool. An article I wrote was featured on The Pool. We were long listed for the Saboteur Awards. Women's Hour said the project sounded interesting. Look, that is an achievement because they are very busy. I haven't listed all my personal achievements here. This is already way too long. Ha ha ha. But writing this piece has made me stop and think about them. And they're quite good. Though I will never beat Sharon Canalick's record of 30 years of neighbours viewing. So how did it happen? I published pretty much everyone who approached me. I took a chance and the quality of the stories was amazing, surprising and so original. Other publishing channels might not take so many chances, but that doesn't mean your writing is bad or your voice is worthless. Hopefully other women will create similar projects, platforms, initiatives that we can all take part in. And look, I didn't think it through. I wasn't careful or well prepared. Turns out you don't have to be. You just have to have a go. To leap and maybe someone will catch you. Or maybe you can swing off that scaffolding. <laughs>